officially back in session here at the Brudeck Podcast. I am uh, Toby Tucker hosting today alongside Heather Jared. This is part two of our live from Hop and Brew School recordings here in Yakima, Washington. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go back and check it out. Uh, we busted the biggest hop myths with our friends from uh, Yakima Chief Hops. Uh, brief recap of Hop and Brew School. Um, really, really awesome tours uh, and some great sessions and, and some really unique beers that they've been serving as well. So today we're chatting with Marcus Baskerville from Weathered Souls Brewing in San Antonio. Marcus gave an incredible speech here at Hop and Brew School and we just had to share it with, with all of you. And it's good to be here out in Yakima, Washington. Excited again to have this crew on today, and I'm glad uh, they were willing to peel off a little, uh, little bit of time to come join us because it is uh, beer 30, really, and food. And I saw Marcus got a little bit before over, but uh, before he came over. But uh, Zach and Billy here, I guess. You dying? No. Yeah. They had breakfast. I didn't. So. No. No. So you know I. I haven't been nervous for a lot of these. Like I talk too much and Haley over there, our marketing girl keeps us on track here, is, is usually like, ah, oh, you talk too much, you talk too much. Uh, but I, I was nervous because uh, Marcus it had a presentation earlier today and, and it, really, it, really, uh, it really tore me up a bit. I mean, it was, it was super um, um, motivating and we do a lot of talking on the show, but uh, Marcus has actually put his mouth Right. What's the old phrase? Money. Put the money where the yeah. mouth is on actually taking action on something. And so uh, really, really cool to have uh, Marcus uh, Baskerville on along with uh, Zach Holt and Billy Garza, uh, Weathered Souls. And we'll get into to Zach and Billy, what you guys are doing um, uh, for Marcus and, and with the organization. But not about me anymore. It's about these guys. And we wanted to have Marcus on specifically to talk a little bit more about what he uh, what he presented today. And then talk a little bit about what's going on with y'all in the future and, and kind of toss around what's going on here at uh, Hop and Bruceville. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So let's start off. Number one, t tell me a little bit about uh, your brewery, uh, you know, how many barrels you're brewing, um, you know, a little bit about your, about your brewing philosophy. And then we'll get into kind of the, the meat of things on uh on uh, yeah, your uh, your project you've been working on. Yeah, um, so Weather Souls Brewing Company, we're in San Antonio, Texas. We're actually working on a second location now in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, that will open a little bit later this winter. Uh, but for us, we've been open since 2016, um, opened in November. And let's see, we do a ton of fun stuff. Um, you know, we're kind of across the board stylistically. Uh, currently, we probably have about four or five loggers on tap, especially because that's the San Antonio kind of community. Um, they're still within the, the range of kind of the old styles and things like that. But There's nothing wrong with it. No, styles. not at all. Um, but for what we do, um, you know, we were the first brewery in San Antonio to produce hazy IPAs, first brewery in San Antonio to do the fruited sours, first brewery in San Antonio to do the heavily adjunctive stouts and all of that fun stuff. Um, so when it comes to my brewing philosophy, it's not necessarily anything in particular that I wouldn't brew outside of smoked beer because I hate smoked beers. <laughs> any any smoked beer to me tastes like a barbecue pit and I just refuse <laughs> to make them. It's like literally scraping the grates off a barbecue pit and throwing it in a logger. I, I just can't do it. That's fair. So we yes. did do a podcast episode on 
smoked beers. Okay. Two, we did a two-parter. Yeah, so... I don't know if we change your mind, but... Outside, <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Uh, but outside of that, I try to keep, you know, things that I enjoy, things that I like, um, especially like the lighter lagers, West Coast IPAs, um, but then also the barrel-aged stouts, which obviously is what we're known for, and the fun adjunctive stouts, where my whole thing is about balance of flavors, right? So... You know, even if you have a stout with coconut, vanilla, marshmallows, coconut, and what else? Cacao nibs and maple syrup. Yeah, like you're going to be able to differentiate every single one of those flavors within that beer. Whatever we say is within one of our products, you're going to be able to taste that and kind of experience those flavors. Um, Another thing that we like doing is doing that with natural ingredients and not going into the whole extracts and fake artificial flavors and different things like that. Um, and so our whole thing is creating, you know, uh, experiences, you know, people to be able to drink a beer and let it resonate in their mind of something that they've had in the past or when they were in their childhood or even adulthood. Um, so that's kind of what we've gravitated to beer wise anyway. It's a pretty awesome philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess what a lot of people do know, whether it's holes for worldwide is the black is beautiful initiative. Can you, Tell us anything and everything about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Black is Beautiful. Um, that was something that happened in 2020. Um, like we talked about in the speech earlier, you know, it was something that was completely organic. Um, we're in the height of COVID, the height of civil unrest, and all of these different things that are going on in 2020. And I was at a place of not feeling right about what was going on. You know, we. We sat there and looked at what happened with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and all of the protests and things that were going on. And honestly, peak COVID, I wasn't going out to a protest. But even then, like, I guess I'm becoming out of my shell more and more as time goes by. But I'm really like the introverted kind of spectrum. And I wasn't going in a large crowd for especially like a protest. And so it reached one of those points where it I became disappointed in myself, you know, like you're not taking action, you're not doing anything and we're at such a pivotal point. And so, yeah, um, I was having a conversation with Jeffrey Stuffings from Chester King that weekend and we were talking about family, Trump, religion, you know, all the things that were going on at that time. And it that conversation kind of sat in the back of my mind. And then on the way up to Dallas, I was listening to the Breakfast Club and heard uh, Breonna Taylor's mom speak and she spoke about, you know, the course of actions of her finding out her daughter was murdered. And it was one of those conversations like that hit you. Like it brought me to tears. I'm over here driving my big weather souls van going to Dallas and I'm over here wiping the tears off the corner of my face just based off of that conversation. But you know, it hit me, especially because I have two young daughters, I have a younger sister, you know, all of those things that can occur in the back of your mind. And, you know, I've been somebody that's been through, you know, issues with the police. And I'll give like the, the short term version because it's a pretty long story. But pretty much me and my cousin, a relative of mine, went to a party. Huge fight breaks out. Guns go off, all that type of stuff, and everybody disperses. When we go to the car, we realize, like, hey, we had other friends that were at this party. Uh, We might want to go check on them. So we backtrack and go make sure everybody's okay. One of the people that was with some of our friends had uh, ended up getting stabbed. 
Now, um, you know, in your youth, you have some friends that all don't go down the right path and some, you know, that type of thing. And so they couldn't take this individual to the hospital. So we offered to do so. So we're driving, you know, 90, 100 miles per hour down the freeway. My cousin's in the backseat applying pressure. You know, this guy's bleeding over my brand new Mustang. And, you know, we're just trying to save this man's life. So we get to the hospital and, you know, they pull him out of the car, get him inside of emergency. And literally, like, the nurse tells us, if you had arrived five minutes later, this person probably would have bled out. And so, you know, we're proud of ourselves, right? Like, we did the right thing, helped somebody out, got them to the hospital, saved their life. Like, you should be proud of that situation. But the police didn't let us be proud of that situation. It was one of those things when the police ended up coming, they treated us like suspects, ended up taking us in the back of the police car, putting us into a cell overnight, never booking us or anything along those lines. But the fact we were, what, 19, 20 at that time and being treated like that, you know, we didn't know any different at the time. But to look back at that situation, I couldn't have made it home. You never even know. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, we didn't know where we were going or anything else. And, you know, to be through the type of experience and see some of the the things that have gone on with the police lately, frankly, it's, it's ridiculous. And so I felt like I was in a position with Weathered Souls to at least do something minimal, right? We have, a at that point, a, at least a national brand name, and, you know, I wanted to do something locally, and so we were going to release a beer locally and name it Black is Beautiful and then donate uh, proceeds to a local charity. Uh, within the course of that weekend, because of the conversation I had with Jeff, uh, went ahead and sent him that label, and Jeff was like, you know, I would understand if you don't want to, but you should probably turn this into a collaboration. And I was like, you know what, Jeff, you're right. And so then I was stuck with that weekend trying to figure out, hey, I'm in an industry that is 99.9% Caucasian. How am I going to ask them to brew a beer called Black is Beautiful and then donate that money to local charities, foundations that support equality and inclusion and, you know, minorities and you know, the, the brewery industry showed up for sure. We had over 1,400 breweries participate, made over $4 million in support of these these initiatives. But you also have to look at the other end of it. There's 9,000 breweries in the United States, and we only had 14 participate, 1,400 participate. So definitely a large number, but we also could have probably penetrated more of that market and had more people participate. Now, we were in the peak you know, session of COVID and that's understandable, but I will pressure people now. Like there was never a time limit on black is beautiful and you can still show up, you can still brew it and you can definitely still support. And so what that initiative ended up being or still is was a recipe of a stout that was created at Weather Souls Brewing Company that I sat on my bed at home and made. And, you know, it was something that, you know, we're more known for our pastry stouts, uh, adjunctive stouts, or barrel-aged stouts, and we do so much more than that. And I wanted to get back to the basics. And so this recipe was more of that traditional American-style stout that we haven't seen for years. You know, the, the old Fremonts would brew and Firestones and stuff like that. And that style was kind of more to a ode of what they used to do and what got me into stouts and what got me into beer in the first place. Um, but brew the stout and then donate 100% of those proceeds to organizations, charities, foundations that support equality, inclusion, and that type of stuff. And so, like I said, yeah, I mean, the 
industry showed up and we've made history. I mean, what other social platform can you say is in the beverage or food industry that's raised $4 million in support of social justice reform? Like the brewing, yeah, the brewing industry did that, which is absolutely insane. Um, But, you know, dealing with that over the course of the last two years, um, things kind of spiraled out, right? So we're doing all these podcasts and interviews and and TV shows and all these things. uh, Speaking about Black is Beautiful, and at some point I kind of grew complacent. Like, you know, the stuff started dwindling down. Not as many people kind of supported the initiative. Not as many people were donating and, and different things like that. And so I had to think about what was next. And so we got a little bit into that uh, today um, with the Harriet Baskerville Incubation Program. And for those that are unfamiliar, we announced it um, at CBC uh, with our partnership with RAR, where they donated $100,000 towards the, the program. But today we're announcing our new um, partner in Yakima Chief and them supporting the brand, creating an educational program. Uh, they're going to run sensory. They're doing uh, financial backing as well and, you know, becoming a huge support factor within this initiative. And what we're going to do is create a pretty much a brewing school for minorities and women that are in planning of opening a brewery to come in and kind of fast track themselves to reach a point of, hey, I can open this brewery. And here I have all of the support resources and all of these things that this incubation program has provided to get us to where we need to be. Um, Like I was saying in the speech earlier today, you look at if we had the 12 participants go through a year and four of those participants ended up participating. Remember, we only have about 60, 65 black owned breweries minority-owned breweries in the United States currently. So that four breweries is already creating a little over a 55% increase in the amount of now minority-owned breweries within the country. And so those are those real kind of tangible changes that make differences. You know, you can always have all of the taproom employees. You can always have all of the brewers. You can always have all of those type of sellermans and different things like that. But at the end of the day, we know that the only change comes from those that are making decisions, those that have power, and those that are having the creativity to do what they need to do um, within their fields. And so, okay, we have five black taproom employees, but is that really changing the scene? Is that really growing anything within our industry? No. And so this is one of those avenues that individuals can take to actually start making some real tangible change within our industry. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the $4 million raised, and and obviously, there's still an opportunity for, for people to get involved, right, Marcus? So, so how would uh, you know one of our listeners that owns a brewery in say Nebraska? Or what, how, how do they get involved? How can they brew the beer? Yeah, right, yeah. go to the Black Is Beautiful Beer website, download the recipe. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, you could probably contact some of the original partners even then, and probably still get some of the discounts associated with it for ingredients and things like that. If you let them know what they're doing, brew the beer, and donate the money to somebody locally. Easy enough. Somebody right? that you know supports equality and inclusion. Uh, dive in deeply into your local market you know one of the things that we talked about with black is beautiful was supporting your local scene supporting your local community and taking it a step further you know the the donations were one aspect of it but the long-term 
the long-term goals and effects of what we do after that or what's going to actually make those changes. The money was the initial support, but it's what we do after that that's actually what's going to help us grow. Yeah, oh, that's great. And yeah, we encourage everybody um, to, to get involved where you can if you haven't already. It's a, it's a great initiative, and they're, they're obviously doing some great things. So I would be remiss to talk about hops because we are in the land right, of hops are, over there, right? So Yakima. let's go back to the, to the actual Black is Beautiful beer. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, wrong Marcus, but it, from what I'm seeing, it's, it's 100% Cascade in yeah. that beer. Um, so we use Cascade hops for that beer. Uh, something you know American traditional uh, but even then it's for a stout pretty neutral um, it's not something that's going to impart too much of that aroma character too much flavor character um, most of the the hops for it went into those kind of like beginning stages of the the boil um, so more so contributing to the actual just bitterness and, and base of the beer than more so the flavors. When it comes to stouts, I like, um, you know, your malts to shine, your specialty malts to shine. Those are those flavors that you want to be able to taste within your stout products. Um, and so, yes, um, you know, it's obviously hops are an important factor to any beer. But for this particular recipe, um, I wanted the kind of hop character to kind of take a back seat outside of some of the traditional bitterness that you would get in American IPAs that you haven't seen in some of these newer stouts uh, where it's like, where are the hops? Right. So, you know, getting back to that that of old type of recipe and kind of bringing some of that bitterness kind of back to the base beer and, and letting it shine that way with complementing the actual malt character. Yeah, that's great. And also it'd be remiss to, to ask on one of our typical co-hosts, and unfortunately he didn't get the invite to come out, Grant Lawrence, who's, oh, okay. dude, he was, he was so upset that he couldn't join y'all and talk, <laughs> talk to y'all, but hey, Grant, what's up? Anyways. He was. Uh, he wanted to know um, the maltodextrin that you're using in the recipe. Uh -huh. um, when you use it, is there a finishing gravity specifically that you're looking for for that beer? So maltodextrin. I've had a love hate relationship with maltodextrin. <laughs> I think most people have. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first got into producing stouts, I was using quite a bit of maltodextrin, probably 10, 15, 10, 12 percent maltodextrin in recipes, uh, kind of building up that base body. But one of the things that I recognized that I really didn't like within doing that is the finishing gravity. Um, you know, they tend to stay a little bit sweeter on that profile. Yes, obviously, the viscosity gets to where you want it to go to. But it really... For me, I wanted to get back to having a very viscous but drier beer. Um, and so when we do add maltodextrin, um, we still look for a finishing gravity um, within that kind of like mid, at this point, high 20, mid 30 Play-Doh range. Uh, but unfortunately for Billy, I've gotten completely out of maltodextrin and he's had the experience of doing, you know, 24, 27 hour boils with a double mash now because I've taken out that maltodextrin and we still need to account for that viscosity within our product and high gravity. Um, but you know, I'm not brewing those beers anymore, so it doesn't affect me too much. <laughs> and yeah, so we have actually gotten out of using maltodextrin in about 98% of our stouts that we do now, uh, especially if they're going into barrels. Yeah. 
Well, he mentioned Billy, and yeah. th these these guys have been real patient. They're over here just pounding beers <laughs> and like having a grand old time. But yeah, I want I want to get to your 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 two gentlemen here that are that are on the team. Uh, Billy Garza, who's the the brewer down in the San San Antonio location, and Zach Holt, who is going to be brewing up in in Charlotte. And we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on with that location in Charlotte. And I, and I, I want to dive in a little bit more about the uh, the Harriet Baskerville because you you had a story about it was your great grandma. Yeah, and so, uh, I was uh, I was very uh, interested to hear it. Yeah, so, so my grandma, um, she brewed during Prohibition. And it's interesting because my grandma has been very anti-alcohol our entire like life. Um, I have some older relatives, older cousins. My brother's seven years older than me. And so she's always been in the back of their ears like, oh, you don't need to be drinking and you don't need to be indulging in alcohol and, and that type of stuff. And so a couple of years, I think it was one after my first accolades with the brewery. We got Best of San Antonio or something like that. I ended up getting the actual story. And it turns out that my grandma used to brew during Prohibition. And she brewed from about the age seven, eight years old to about 13, 14. And the story is, is that um, this individual kept kind of harassing her for some hooch, right? Oh, I want to try it, blah, 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 blah. And so she grew spiteful of this gentleman that kept asking her for some of the product. So she gave him some of the concentrated mash. And this person was doing construction, uh, was on the roof, and ended up falling off of that said roof. So you can mind, uh, imagine how fearful a 13, 14-year-old black girl is in Topeka, Kansas, of all places, and this white man falls off of your roof for drinking alcohol during Prohibition. So she prayed to the Lord that the police wouldn't come take her away, and the police never came. And she stopped brewing and stopped distilling as of that day and never had anything to do with alcohol ever since. My grandma is about to be 94 years old next month. So we got that, that whole story. But to kind of see for me, because I was not much of a beer fan, like in my early 20s. And I didn't get into beer until I was introduced to it uh, by my brother and like uh, another relative. And so to kind of see this full circle thing happen and see where I'm at currently in the industry and the things that we're doing um, within San Antonio and some of the accolades, I, I felt like this was a full circle kind of situation. And that's what made me want to honor my grandma um, as far as naming the incubation program after her with the Harriet Baskerville incubation. That's awesome. I keep I keep grabbing Billy's mic because we're oh, limited sorry. to four right now. It's like, <laughs> man, I just got the wheels turning. But yeah, going back to when you say indulging, isn't it funny? Like grandparents, you know, it's not drinking, it's indulging. Yeah, right. You know? Like no more indulging. But you didn't know that story about your grandmother until after you nope. opened the brewery, right? No, my yeah, my own crazy. dad didn't even know that story, which is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, we didn't get that story until after I physically opened. Uh, actual brewery the only person that knew that my grandma had brewing history was i have another cousin uh terrence green um up in california and he used to brew back in the day for a heretic and a couple other breweries and i guess she gave him this story when he got into the brewing industry but it was one of those things where you better never speak about this again yeah. <laughs> well you, you know you mentioned uh, up in charlotte there at baskerville um program that you guys are putting together but but it you know, it's interesting. You got a couple of gentlemen sitting next to us that um, that I'm curious to know how you guys got into the industry and kind of got got your shot and what you're doing now. It's it's pretty cool. And um, yeah, I guess we'll start with with Billy uh, out in San Antonio. 
Uh, yeah, so initially how I got into beer was kind of unexpected. Uh, I grew up, didn't like beer. I grew up in like skateboarding, so in the hardcore scene, I was like straight edge, so we didn't drink, do drugs, anything like that. Uh, and then I found myself going into the Navy and found myself stationed in San Diego where IPAs and West Coasts were huge. So tried, you know, dabbling in the craft scene, fell in love with it, uh, got out. Worked at a liquor store, started drinking more craft beer, figured I could do this, you know, it seems fun. People were nice. Uh, me and my friend bought a kit, started brewing at home. Uh, yeah, and then I found a job in a pack called a brewery. Um, brought one of my home brews to them one day. They liked it a lot, so they made me a brewer. Um, then I got an opportunity to work with, uh, with Marcus at Weathered Souls, and that's kind of where am I right now? How long have you been with Weather Tools? Uh, a year. This Yesterday. This is your anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they brought you to Yakima. Yeah. Right. That is a really good anniversary. Oh, I didn't get to have a year anniversary <laughs> like that. That yeah, was very Although nice. Although he might expect this every year now. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, at the bar. Where are you taking me next year? They've been a little bit spoiled for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that's uh, it's great. And good, yeah, good to have you. Congrats. Um, so we talked about the beer earlier. Um, how much of that you brew? Okay. I don't think you ever answered a question about like how many barrels are you guys doing out of San Antonio and then and how you know what percentage of that I'm assuming you're still brewing yeah uh, so last year we did about 1800 barrels and this year I know we were recently told we're doing about an extra 100 barrels a month um, so we should end up around the hope my goal this year is 3000 barrels um, we might fall a little bit short but we're pretty close to this year. Billy at this point is brewing about 85% of that. It's like, it's like we're passing mics around here. It's like, no. Can we do this at home? And like over right. Yeah. No, no. It's, and, and your mic handle is really warm. It's, it's nice. It's, no, it's like sitting inside. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's nice. No, so this kind of leads us into uh, and what you, going, you got going on in Charlotte, which is it's, it really cool. Want to learn a little bit more about um, the location there, when it'll be open, some plugs there. But, but uh, moving on to, to Zach, um, so you, you're going to be the head brewer out there. You are the head brewer out there in Charlotte. Kind of tell me how you got in the industry and how you got involved and, and uh, you know, what, what you see, what your vision is for, for, for Charlotte and what you're doing up there. Yeah. Um, grew up in more middle-class neighborhood, um, I'm biracial myself. Um, my father, Mike, um, who is the co-owner with Marcus, uh, is white, and my mom is African American. So, um, just had a lot of open mind, open mindness as a kid. Had a lot of opportunity to see things kind of from both sides of a coin. And um, as I got into the later stages of high school started messing around with torpedo and shock top samplers and me and my they were introducing me to these beers that I had no idea about my dad didn't really drink growing up um, and so playing golf with him over the years I would just bring these little bottles out and he would try them and tell me which ones he liked and which one he didn't um, and he's living in San Antonio I born and raised in Charlotte I still live there uh, so I'm about 21 and my dad has called me and said, hey, Zach, I want to open a brewery. Um, and I was kind of in between jobs at the time. 
Um, and so I said, well, that sounds kind of interesting. Like, can I just come down there and work? Like, I've worked for my dad. He has another company, so done that. And he asked Marcus, was like, hey, um, this is probably the most annoying question I could ask you, but could my son, <laughs> my son come bother you as you're trying to get things started? Uh, and Marcus said, yeah. Uh, I really, Marcus is the introduction for beer for me. Like, he created the passion. He, like, ignited the flame for what beer is for me um, and gave me a really, like, tangible model to, fo uh, to follow after. Uh, seeing somebody who looks like me, um, likes the same things that I like, we play basketball, like we have very, we have a lot of uh, similarities, more so that, you know, I don't really align with a lot in the, the beer industry. So he just, he really showed me that like, if you want to do it, you can do it. And, um, over these last two years, he's also shown me that you can be really good at it too. You can stand out, um, and as long as you're, you know, true to yourself and true to your passions, like people, people will respect that. People will gravitate towards that. So, um, after doing probably a month's worth of work in their first year, I moved back to Charlotte, and there was a brewery called Resident Culture. They were opening up about a half a mile away from my house. Um, and so I put an application in. Um, the manager at the time, Becca, called Marcus the next hour. Then she called me back and was like, hey, we're not looking to hire anybody else, but this guy has really good things to say about you. Do you want to be part of the team? And from that moment on, I stayed with Resident Culture until last Friday. Um, and now I'm a part of the Weathered Souls team, going to be the brewer at the Charlotte location. Yep, That's Things amazing. have kind of come full circle. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Representation matters. That is a hundred percent. One of the big things, you know, and like I spoke to Zach uh, because I'm pretty sure he was nervous about coming to work for his dad. Oh, I, I, <laughs> more so than that, I was nervous about coming to work for you. But but my yeah, but my whole thing for for him was, you know, we have to be about the things that we speak about. And if I'm opening a location in Charlotte and it's going to have the incubation program, you know, I want the individual that is going to represent this brand within that brewery to be exactly what we've been talking about. And Zach exemplifies that. And so to have him come over, uh, especially with him spending the last few years at Resident Culture and me having to send a text to Tropes, like, I'm sorry I had to, to take it. <laughs> because it's been, no, it's been really hard to find employees within the brewing industry like currently it's really hard to find brewers and it's really f hard to find people that are committed to your brand and have the same visions as you and and have the you know the the pride to want to do the same things that you do it's it's hard and so the fact that i have one in san antonio and one in charlotte you know i have the best of both worlds worlds currently and so yeah, i mean it, it definitely works out for the long run yeah, that's yeah. great. So, so tell us about the Charlotte location, and, and uh, you mentioned uh, what later in twenty later this year it'll be open up. Or what, uh, yeah. yeah, fingers crossed. With so, my business partner has been emailing me this week saying that the opening is going to be the week of October twenty first, which is what right around the corner. Forty. 50 days away. As, as my, my daughter would say, 50 sleeps. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like sleeps. I still say that. Yeah, right? Yeah. 
Do so, you get? Have you had a lot of weather soul spears? Sorry. No, I, I mean, I, well, I, I'm up in Dallas, right? So, you know what's crazy about Texas too? People think everything in Texas is like when you Star. talk San Antonio and Dallas. It's not like you drive down the block. I'm yeah, like, what's you. in the Give state? Give me a break. I don't like, know what. To nah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> How far things but, are in Texas? It's a good four and a yeah. half hours. Half it's, a, hours. A, it's a good ways, right? Yeah. So, to, so that that said, and you know, I got two kids, and I'm like holed up in an office downstairs. Gotcha. Unfortunately, gotcha. no. But I'm, you know, well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go we're tear gonna it up. We're gonna start Dallas right distribution soon, so now you're not gonna Uh-oh. have any excuses to try our products. See, all yeah, nice. Start Canadian distribution. Uh, that is gonna be within the next few weeks, actually. Canadian? Uh, no, Canadian. That's oh, she, look, we got a Canadian. Uh, she's, so she's I know we are in. <laughs> no, I know we just recently went to British Columbia. Where? Where? Um, I'm gonna have to look up that afterwards. Please do. Send it but to me we literally just entered the UK and and BC. Oh no. So, I live in BC. Yes. This one so. here. So yes. Watch out. And they have a whole bunch of our our more popular stout products and a couple of our loggers recently. Oh, yeah, shoot shoot me the list of where yep, I can find I got that you. immediately. All right. I'm gonna need it. Yeah, so we did for Saturday uh, when I get home. Yeah, so we've you know over the course of the last year or so kind of been expanding. Um, we recently just went into the UK, BC, uh, Japan, and then a couple other uh, states and whatnot. Um, we've been fortunate enough to build a, a relationship with the Hyatt brand. Oh, and really? The, the Hyatt brand has offered us all 646 locations nationwide. Now, I can't do that distribution wise. Yeah, I can't do that distribution wise right now. Billy's over here like sweating bullets like, oh man, we are entering a few other states that we weren't in before to be able to do this and a few other cities and stuff like that. And I know Dallas uh, is going to be one of them for the IAT. But with Charlotte, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, San Antonio's an interesting city. They've supported us wonderfully, right? Over the last six years we've been open, we've been Best Brewery in San Antonio, five of that, multiple accolades, and you know all of that fun stuff. We're in over 200 locations in the city, although I feel like it should be more, but you know we, we have fun there, and, and the city supports us. Um, but one of the things about San Antonio is it's still kind of behind on beer. Uh, very much still the Dos Equis city and, you know, big beer. And we kind of go back and forth with our distributor all the time. I mean, you go into a location and one of our beers is taken off for Carbach or Bud Light. And it's like, Ooh. what's going on? Oh, I forgot. You know, Bud Light offers you guys a vacation at the end of the month. If you sell more of that type of thing. And so, right. We've, we've dealt with, yeah, we've dealt with a lot of that situation. And, so we looked at what could we do next and so the next best fit for us was the charlotte location um especially because my business partner spent so many years there zach is there um his sister is still there and you know that type of thing and so it was home for my business partner and we originally had actually toyed with opening a charlotte location for the first location but neither of us were moving at that time i know i wasn't moving at that time but now we're in a position to be able to kind of manage it from afar and so we have this opportunity to open there and charlotte's an amazing city with a very prominent craft beer scene that has been doing some amazing things lately and they've been very open armed with the fact that we're opening there um i know that they don't always accept outsiders and you know it's it's been very welcome I mean, for us to experience trying to get into the Charlotte market, uh, even from the Guild, the city, and and other brewers and, and things like that. Um, but 
you know, um, we're putting ourselves in a position to be able to extend our program, extend our beer um, and who we are. And we felt like Charlotte was a great market for that. Um, but within Charlotte, originally we were going to open up without equipment. Um, and that kind of sat with me the wrong way. Like, oh, OK, is this going to be a retail location? Like, yeah, but that's not really fun, right? Kind of more of a prideful thing for me, right? Like, I'm saying I'm opening a second brewery. This isn't a second brewery. Um, so I reached out to Deutsche. Deutsche Beverages is our one of our official partners for the incubation program. And they were gracious enough to give us a very heavy discount on a timber system for the location. And that system will be used for the incubation program within itself, but also producing some wonderful Charlotte beers uh, that Zach will get to start running soon. A lot of pressure, Zach. A lot of pressure. <laughs> but right. you, you look like the type you're good with it. Yeah. We're in Charlotte. We're playing with the big boys. Now. That's right. Yeah, right? No, and so dealing with this location, Charlotte's going to be amazing for this incubation program. Um, one of the things that I, again, um, you know, listening to the speech earlier, um, it hit me when I was on a Peloton ride. And I was listening to Tune Day, and she was talking about passion and purpose and purpose and passion. And it made me realize that, okay, like, I've put myself in a position to do things that other people aren't able to physically currently do or have the resources to do, right? So, you know, asking for Deutsche for a discount, asking Yakima Chief to be an official partner. The person that advised me was like, ask them something that's going to make them sweat. <laughs> so, you know, having those opportunities and being able to do that and having the support of so many major and incredible brands in the industry, not everybody can do that. And I've realized that I've put myself in a purpose situation as to where if I can do this, then it might not be my passion to want to do it, but it's definitely what I'm here for to do within the industry and what I'm here for as far as progression and growth within the industry. Um, and so this incubation program is going to take hopefully the first year about 12 participants um, these participants are going to go through we'll say a medium fast tracked program uh, currently right now I think I have it mapped at 28 to 31 days um, where you come in and you're going through education from RAR you're going through education and sensory and hops farms and all of that fun stuff through Yakima Yakima. I don't know why I say Yakima. Yakima. <laughs> um, and then going through sensory propagation and all of that fun stuff through um, White Labs. Uh, we've also involved working with SBA loan officers. So one of the, the major disparities within brewing, right, is having that financial backing, having the resources to even find out how to get that financial backing. Um, and so we're going to try to alleviate some of that. Pairing these individuals with SBA loan officers, pairing these individuals with people within their community that can help them with grant processes and learning how to get money and learning how to get the, the financial backings to be able to open their brewery. Um, one of the other important things is once you open a brewery, how do you stay open? You know, how do you market? You know, the sustainability aspects, we're going to teach that. Um, but then you're going to come on the brew floor and learn SOPs and safety. Uh, you're going to need recipe formulation. You're going to be able to brew your beer and, you know, release it to the public and take that money and put it towards your brewery and all of these fun things. Um, we've even talked about going into externships. And once these individuals are done, going to breweries within their respected areas and working further. I mean, and we're also going to be bringing in other brewers and um, externships 
experts within the communities to teach classes and talk, uh, you know, having the Derek Galanosas come in and talk about stouts, having the Jeffrey Stuffings coming in talking about farmhouse sales, you know, having the Vinnies and Adelies come in and talk about IPAs and doing all of this different fun stuff that we generally wouldn't have the availability to do as a person of color or even as a woman within the industry. Um, you know, the, the ultimate goal is to kind of bridge these gaps and kind of get rid of some of these disparities that we have and build these resources and bridges for these individuals to be able to succeed in the industry. Um, one of the things that have really hit for me and have resonated with me lately is, you know, uh, somebody had a, I'm not going to say any names. Somebody had a critique about Black is Beautiful and how unorganized it was. And I come back and look at Black is Beautiful and, and you know, what it did and where we're at and, and different things. And, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say it was disorganized in the sense, but, you know, this was something that was built completely organic on feeling and emotion within how I felt at that personal time. And you look at how we've had other individuals within the industry and them being happy being the only one mm-hmm. or being happy, you know, being in the place that they're in and sitting in the industry for 20, 25 years and then finally realizing, hey, I'm in a position to do something. No, I've been in a position position to do something since the day I entered the industry. And I've been about that life since the day that I've entered this industry. And I'm going to continue to do that until, you know, I'm out of the industry, which I don't see happening anytime soon. Um, so it's all about growing, you know, um, minorities. It's all about growing women within the scene. It's all about making a more diverse, equitable place for the you know industry that I've kind of grown to love. I love that. I love you literally said earlier you just wanted to do something small. Yeah. <laughs> and you're literally changing the entire industry. Yeah. yeah. And it's insane. It's amazing. No, it's great. And and so I think uh, Charlotte is a great lo- a great city for an idea like this. Mm-hmm. They're very open. They have great values as far as accepting people who are different like i've seen it firsthand and uh it's gonna it's gonna work out really well and i'm hoping that charlotte will come out and support um all the different things that we do it's not just gonna be you know all for black people or all for women like we're gonna try to make sure that you know everyone feels welcome Mm -hmm. in the tap room and just trying to create a safe place for people who are different to come in and to get introduced to beer like it's hard to get introduced to beer when you walk in and not everybody looks like you or people are rushing Mm -hmm. you because you don't know what you want you don't you don't even know the difference between an ale and a lager somebody's mad at you or criticizing you making you feel silly so this is just going to be a really open you know as it should be environment i love it yeah yeah and and for those listeners out there this is is Really, again, it's it's motivating for me too. Listening to Marcus and the story here about like he mentioned in his his speech, like he didn't want to look back twenty years from now, thirty years from now, and his kids say, "Hey, Dad, what did you do? You know what what did you actually do? And don't sit back, right? So all of us can contribute, right? We can all have a part of, of making change, and it, it it all starts right here. Like you know, I'm looking at all of us having a beer you know, sharing company, you know, we had Kevin Smith on, uh, from company distilling, mm-hmm. you know, prior Jack Daniels, and he named his, 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 the, the business company distilling. And that's what I feel, right? This 
beer and beverages and indulging, going back to that, is a good place for everybody to sit down and have open dialogue, open conversations, and really push for, you know, the things that, you know, that change. You said something in the, um, like, short that you did for Black is Beautiful, and it was good beers for friends and great beers for everyone. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And I just feel like that just kind of resonates with everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely something that we feel at the time. Um, you look at what beer originally was, and it was a community beverage, you know. It was something that was brewed for everybody. And so we've gotten into a place where we've kind of gotten out of that, and there's been that kind of, you know, mentality um, of being better than and, and different little things like that. And it needs to get back to being more about the community and supporting each other and, you know, using beer as a conversation builder, mm-hmm. as building friendship and, and all of that fun stuff. So, and that's what I took it as. I mean, I got into beer literally building a relationship with my brother and, you know, a couple of my relatives. Uh, my brother's seven years older than me and that's one of my best friends. Like I was the best man at his wedding. Like you, wouldn't see something like that with such a normally in such a huge age, age gap, gap yeah. you know um but i talk to my brother and sister almost every day type of thing and it's one of those things that kind of build up that camaraderie build up that friendship and so that's what i kind of try to exemplify when it comes to beer since that's what the original culture is what brought me into it Hey, I really appreciate y'all coming yeah, out. And I know we're, we're, we're taking your time away from Everybody's all that's going time. on. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot going on here at uh, Hop and Brew School, and we're happy for the folks at YCH to let us take over their tap room. They they probably shouldn't have because we're just like Oh, yeah, we just hijacked rating, the beer. Yeah, we're hijacking. Their, we're looking over <laughs> at this tap room, like just tearing it up. But, no, I really appreciate it. And, hey, guys, I love what you're doing. And, again, for those listeners, go out and support. Uh, brew the beer. Um, yeah, brew the beer. Yeah. Seriously. Brew it. Yeah. You really don't absolutely. have an excuse to not brew no the beer. Excuses. <laughs> no excuses. No excuses to not brew the beer. No. That's right. Yeah, in support. Yeah, I appreciate y'all y'all uh y'all y'all carving out some time during this awesome experience out here at YCH to, to join us. Yeah, Billy you. Garza out in San Antonio, Zach Holt, uh Marcus Baskerville. Thank you guys so much. I really really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for having us. Thank Cheers. you very much. Cheers. Oh you're empty. Haley. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks again to Marcus Baskerville. Uh, Zach Holt and Billy Garza from Weathered Souls Brewing for jumping on with us this morning. Hey, we gave away a few tickets to Hop and Brew School this year on our social media and at some specific events. So formal congrats to our ticket winners. Dos Sirenos Brewing out of, uh, I believe, San Antonio, Texas. Congrats. Griffin Brewing Pilot House up in Washington. And then Cabin Brewing, our neighbors to the north up in Canada, who I believe won... uh, an award over at uh, the recent uh, CBA award. So congrats to Cabin Brewing. Make sure you uh, follow at Country Malt on all socials so you don't miss future opportunities like this one coming up. Well, we're gearing up for Pink Boots Blend pre-orders next month. Stay tuned for more information from us. And again, thanks for joining us and lending us an ear today. Signing out from Yakima. Cheers. Cheers.